listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. We have uh, today we have Marson of Colorado College. He is the rehab coordinator there. I'm not even going to attempt his last name, so I'll let him introduce yourself. Uh, Marson, welcome into the podcast. Hey Chase, thanks a lot. Uh, really happy to be here. Really like what you're doing with this podcast. So just excited to be part of it. All right. So this is actually take two of the podcast. Um, so Marson, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, a little bit about you know, where you're from, um, what got you into sports physical therapy and a little bit more about you. Sure. So I started out in London, Ontario. Uh, that's in Canada. I went to the university of Western Ontario where I did my bachelor's of science in kinesiology. Uh, what actually got me into that was I was from an academic family, um, and took a lot of biologies and physics in high school and then got lucky enough to, uh, to have two electives in, uh, grade 11 and grade 12 that were exercise science. And it's actually my football coaches that taught those electives. Um, and they just kind of completely grabbed my attention and, and merged together my love for sports and, and academia. And so kinesiology felt like the right way to go. Uh, at Western, I also started working at the local our campus recreation center. So Western's gym. And I started out as just like a gym attendant, but then that turned into me being a personal trainer there um, and learned, kind of getting bit by the bug of strength and conditioning, uh, getting into powerlifting myself, and then actually went up to being a strength and conditioning coach at a private facility that mostly trained high school athletes. So I think we saw mostly football, hockey, and soccer, and then actually led to the opportunity of being a volunteer strength and conditioning coach for the women's lacrosse team uh, at the University of Western Ontario. Um, so once I was done undergrad, I, I still thought, you know, academia is the way I want to go. Uh, so I did a master's in exercise physiology at the University of Oklahoma. And my thesis emphasis there was uh, exercise induced muscle damage and mitochondrial function. Um, but while working on my thesis, I, I kind of I was out of personal training at that time. I wasn't strength and conditioning uh, coaching anymore. I was you know, I kept up with powerlifting myself, but uh, I really missed working with people. Um, you know, in research, you do work with people to a certain extent, you're running studies, but I miss the daily interactions and coaching aspect of it. Um, so actually, I went home for the summer between my two years of master's and I uh, was talking to one of my friends back in London. And she said, you know, you should take a look at PT schools in the US. Um, and you know, it just wasn't a thought that had crossed my mind before, but I started taking a look into that and then started shadowing uh the University of Oklahoma track and fields PT, Jeff Lau, uh, and fell in love right there. So just watching Jeff bounce around from training room to uh, to weight room to out to the track, working together with different sport coaches, uh, nutritionists, talking about how he has to talk to the psychologists and all this stuff. Um, that collaboration and the execution of a physical therapy at that high of a level captured me. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So after University of Oklahoma, went to the University of Pittsburgh, where I had a fantastic time, had great clinical rotations, um, and met a lot of great people. 
through those clinical rotations, uh, there was a lot of PTs who were on faculty for residencies. And that's when I first learned about residency. Uh, so sports residencies, ortho residencies. And I got pretty close to two of my, uh, well, one was a CI and one was a professor and they were married. Shout out to the Lynches there. Uh, and the more I spoke with them, the more they were like, yeah, residency seems like to line up with what you want to do. So I went through the whole painstaking process of applying to a bunch of residencies. You know, the year before met with as many of the directors as I could at CSM to try to figure out which ones lined up best for me and got really fortunate to be accepted to the University of Miami. Um, the great part with that was me and one of my best friends both got accepted to the sports residency at Miami, Charlie Badawi, who's one of the best PTs I, I know, but I'll never tell him that in person. Um, and so we went off to Miami together, had a fantastic year there, you know, and again, got bit by the, the bug of athletics, See, being back in the training room, being with the hurricane athletics department. I was like this, yeah, this, I need to be in sports instead of a clinic. Um, COVID hit at the very end of that, which kind of put a little bit of a dampener on our residency experience, um, but also kind of left us in a shaky place of, okay, what next? And uh, at that time, Charlie had been accepted to the fellowship at Wake Forest University. And I was trying to think, what can I do over the next year to keep moving forward and maybe to work on a few weak points? Um, so with Miami, I even though I was primarily with the track team, a little bit with the baseball team before COVID shut that down, I saw primarily lower extremity injuries. So even my throwers, I was dealing with ankles and maybe obliques, right? But not a ton of shoulders. So discussion came up to take a look at upper extremity fellowships. was fortunate enough to get accepted to Ohio State. Uh, that Their fellowship works with the Cleveland Indians, who are now the Cleveland Guardians, and uh, went through that to bolster kind of what I knew about the shoulder, which was, again, fantastic experience. And and then I, right after that, went on a little vacation, got a phone call from uh, from Rich Bennett, who's now my boss at Colorado College. I was literally on the beach and had to tell my fiance, hey, I'll be back in 20 minutes. I'm sorry. I, I know I said no work while on vacation. Just let me talk to him real quick. And me and Rich ended up talking for about an hour, hour, 20 minutes. Um, just hit it off right away. Sounded, loved his vision, his dream for his athletics department over at Colorado College. And uh, we kind of maintained conversation after that until it was the right moment where they were ready to hire. And, and in March 2022, I stepped in as rehab coordinator at CC Athletics. Gotcha. And so now, you know, you've been through this whole journey and you're at Colorado College. Tell us a little bit more about your role as rehab coordinator. Sure. So my role as rehab coordinator at Colorado College is kind of um, two-pronged. So I still have a primary team. And since we're, to give you a little background, Colorado College is a D1 slash D3 school. So what that means is that we have two Division One teams, and that's uh, men's hockey and women's soccer. And the rest of our teams are in uh, in Division Three, right? Which is really interesting in and of itself because you have maybe different challenges when it comes to dealing with D1 versus D3 athletes in terms of if they have to be at practice, if they're allowed to, if coaches are allowed to practice in the off season, if lifts can be mandatory, right? So there's little nuances there. Um, but getting back onto your question, uh, I am in charge of the track and field team. So our, I am their point medical person. Right? I am not an athletic trainer, but I kind of act like their athletic trainer in the training room in terms of if anything is going on, I'm the one they seek out. If it's out of my scope and I need uh, an athletic trainer to help me out, then I've got excellent group of ATs around me who uh, who are more than willing to lend a hand. 
And then the other large part of my role as rehab coordinator is I essentially am in charge of all long-term rehabs across the athletics department, be that hockey, soccer, track, basketball, whatever may come through. Um, so most post-ops, if not all, are essentially going to fall under under my primary care. And then let's say there's a nagging injury that we at first thought was just going to be acute and it's kind of went to acute on chronic and now it's just an issue nonstop and I might get called in uh, to to help out in the AT there. Uh, now, how often I get called in or or how I work with other sports, that's really dependent on on the ATs, whose sport it is. And I leave that very open to however I can help them and assist them best. Right. So sometimes they call me in and like, hey, I've been trying X, Y and Z. I'm not getting the results I want. I just need a second pair of eyes real quick on this. And that excellent. We, we take a look. We eval them. Uh, maybe give them some suggestions to try a few other approaches. And then I send them back with the, with the athletic trainer or other times, maybe an athletic trainer swamped their mid season. They have a lot of nagging injuries and all of a sudden this one injury is going to take a little longer to deal with. Then we might have that conversation of, Hey, you take this, you be the point man on this because I'm in the, I'm mid season and, uh, and that's taken up too much of my time. And I think the quality of care would be better. If you could focus on them. Um, okay, great. That if that's what you need, then that's what I'm there for. So that kind of sums up my role with CC. Gotcha. Um, so I wanted to go a little bit back further into your journey through residency and fellowship. Um, through your time through PT school or even in like undergraduate, uh, what are some experiences or things that you did that you think helped prepare you best for those residencies and fellowships? Sure. Um, I think there's plenty of paths someone could take to be successful in a residency or a fellowship. So obviously speaking, my answer is going to be a little more biased towards what I did and what I found interesting. Um, it's definitely not the only way to go. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that helped me out was getting into strength and conditioning and getting into it early and in multiple environments. Um, I don't, I have my CSCS, but I don't call myself a strength coach in my work environment. Right? It's just having that, had that experience from personal training to working with high school athletes to working with uh, college athletes in Canada, it it laid the foundation for me to understand the language of strength and conditioning, understand programming. I program for myself. I've programmed for some of my friends, right? And then so when I'm speaking and collaborating with, uh, with strength and conditioning staff in a work environment, we could have a better collaboration to a higher level, right? I think the... Um, kind of the buzzword that's been going around lately is the high performance model, right? Uh, and what high performance model is essentially, instead of putting ourselves into silos of, okay, this is a PT, this is an AT, this is a strength coach, position coach, and you guys just do your jobs. We're, we're trying to collaborate more and more. So really it's just a fancy, fancy word for a higher level of collaboration. But there's gonna be different de degrees to that collaboration too, right? So I think if someone just has a very shallow understanding of strength and conditioning, they might be able to touch base here and there with strength coaches. Um, but if you really truly understand what they're trying to get out of their macro cycles and mesocycles and microcycles, what their, what their plans look like, what kind of stressors are they trying to apply to the athletes and where they are in different times of the season, you could have a much better and higher level of collaboration, which is going to lead to an athlete staying more involved if done correctly. Right? So if I have someone who's injured and I have that talk with, uh, with a strength coach, I'm not, I don't need to completely pull them out of strength and conditioning, nor should I in most cases, right? I, they, 
the athlete isn't completely injured. They might have a hurt shoulder or a hurt ankle. If I could have a high level of conversation with their strength coach, we can keep the athlete more involved in team activities for a longer period of time or even earlier in their injury so that they don't feel like they're on this island. Nobody likes to be sitting in a, on a training table in a training room feeling like they're hurt. Right? So if I could keep them in the weight room as much as possible, if I could speak to their sport co- position coaches and try to keep them in drills as much as possible, I think that really benefits the athlete. And both Miami and the Cleveland baseball organization were both really good on on trying to push that that high performance model, right? Where where we did speak to the strength coaches, uh, where we did speak to position coaches all the time. Uh, even further in that, especially at Miami, right down the road or right down the hallway, we had uh, sports nutrition and we had sports psychology, which were both huge uh, components of people who were going through rehab, right? Or even just daily, daily athlete care. Um, I think another big thing that really helped me out personally going through residency and fellowship was actually doing that master's uh at oklahoma it was a research master's i think it helped me understand how to read articles how to pull out the important information uh and how to critically assess them so you people aren't getting just blindsided or or blindsided is the wrong word there people aren't getting um misled just by reading abstracts so i think going through that grad school also helped me out quite a bit in terms of when i got to uh, residency and all of a sudden you know we have a class and we have all these articles we need to read and fellowship when we're trying to really push the needle in terms of, you know, what did we learn in PT school versus what has been updated? What is the most, what was the newest way that's being pushed to rehab a shoulder injury? Uh, Here are these articles. Don't just jump on the first new shiny thing, but let's actually read them, critically assess them and, and, uh, and move forward appropriately. So. Um, And so, you know, I want to jump forward again and go back to your, your role as a coordinator. Uh, so when you're going through PT school, right, you're just worried about treating patients. Um, and so how does your, I guess, your mindset differ when you're trying to coordinate with, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, you know, athletic trainers, and you're worried about all those different things that are not so much PT related, you know, treatment wise, versus when you have someone on the table or you're, you're bringing someone through a rehab process? Yeah, sure. And I, I think getting this job, uh, it's forcing me to grow, uh, which I really appreciate because going through residency and fellowship, you know, you always have your director to fall back on or, you know, your rehab coordinator to fall back on. Now I'm kind of in that position and it's forcing me to, to grow into a leadership position pretty quickly, uh, which is both uncomfortable and exciting at the same time. But to answer your question a little more directly, I think, um, what's most important in being in a coordinator role is taking that 30,000 foot view of your athlete. Everything we do in terms of rehabilitation, strength and conditioning, uh, actual on field, on track, on court stuff is just stress application, hoping for a, for a response, right, from the body. So there's there really shouldn't be much of a distinction between PT exercises and, and weight room exercises. They're both still – we're applying stress as a proxy to the – or sorry, we're applying exercise – to the body as a proxy for stress, as a as a method of stress application to get a certain adaptation. And if I'm ignoring the other stressors that are going on to, to that athlete in term, in the weight room or in, in practice, then I'm not seeing the big picture. So I think my role as a coordinator, it's, it's really important to keep conversation with the strength coaches as to 
you know, what are they doing that day? What are they doing that week? Where are they moving to in the next phase? Um, track, especially having conversations with the position coaches of uh, what the what the plan looks like for the week. So I know at Miami, this was a big thing, and I try to replicate this as well as I can at Colorado College, but I try to mirror stressors uh, in track practice. So if it's a, it's a high stress day, I'm going to run, if I'm having like a, a rehab that's still involved in practice, I'm going to run a high stress rehab. Um, if it's an off day, I'm going to run a really light rehab for them because I, I want to, I want off days to be true off days and I want high stress days to be true high stress days. So, because if I go in and put a high stress rehab on a low day, then all of a sudden they don't really get that true off day. Does that kind of make sense? I just went around in a circle there, I feel, but um <laughs> But yeah, so really taking a 30,000 foot view of your athlete, seeing what other stressors are going on, speaking to the athletic trainers, speaking to uh, the sport coaches, speaking to strength and conditioning coaches, um, and then also just speaking to the athlete and making sure you're keeping up with school stress, family stress, is something else going on? Because that feeds in to their performance just as much as something in the weight room will, right? And at Colorado College, it's actually pretty interesting. They're on something called the block program where they take one class at a time. And so they're all in class from like eight to noon, uh, five days a week in that one class and potentially labs on top of that, right? So what that means is I think it's every four weeks, because every four weeks, there's a final exam, right? Every two weeks, there's a midterm exam. And then they get a couple of days off block, what's called block break, where they usually try to get out of town, blow off some steam, come back before their next block. Um, so keeping in mind where they are in the school schedule is also really important because what you're going to see or what you might see is, all right, you're kind of dragging ass today. Um, you're struggling. You're just not, the athlete's not on what's going on. Oh, right. Their exam is in two days. Right. So they, so especially in a college setting, uh, keeping in mind the school schedule becomes very important. And so luckily at Colorado, we have a, we have a fantastic strength and conditioning staff. We have a fantastic athletic training staff and, and all the coaches that I've been, uh, that I've interacted with so far are also really good at communicating. Like no one, no one's territorial, which can be an issue in sports. Um, we all have great conversations on what's going on with the athlete. What are we seeing? Where can we make adjustments? Um, and that makes my job as a rehab coordinator much easier than if, you know, someone doesn't want to share information or someone's very rigid on what their plan is for that week or day or month. Yeah. I think, you know, including those external factors, because, you know, beyond the person or, you know, it's a person, not just an athlete, not just a patient. It's a person that has all these other life factors, family stresses, like you said, school stresses that definitely influence, you know, recovery and rehab processes for sure. Um, so what are some other things that you did to, you know, improve those, you know, sports or higher level rehab um, things? Because as you come out of PT school, obviously you went through residency and fellowship, but when you come out of PT school, you're a generalist. So what are some you know, specific things that you've looked at to help improve, you know, your treatment skills or your diagnostic skills? Sure. Um, I think first off, starting with PT school, I had really good mentors and, and, and excellent uh, clinical rotations. So just surrounding myself with, with people there who I was able to ask you know, tough questions to, who I was able to maybe question our curriculum a little too, and, and have those conversations of, 
what would you do in this situation? And the deeper conversations as opposed to just what's in the lecture PowerPoint slides was, was very important to me. And I think that's really what's helped me throughout PT school, residency and fellowship. Um, coming out of PT school too, and just like you said, you're a generalist. And I think we need to be humble and, and know that Unfortunately, I don't think the state of PT school education is very good right now, right? And that's not to, to kind of bag on our profession, but things take time to change. Uh, the, the board's exams are the way they are, right? And maybe they ask some outdated information. And so, you know, a lot of people are still out there saying, oh, your hips are out of place. It's like, well, you know, unless you got hit by a semi-truck, probably not. But um, so I think coming out of PT school, it's you did enough to not hurt somebody, right? They taught you how to not kill somebody and not hurt somebody and not get sued. And you have to be ready to kind of take that journey of, okay, there is a big wide world of rehab out there. Um, and you need to seek out people who are going to help you as much as they can and fill you with their experience and also push you to elevate your own research and your own readings and learnings. Um, I'll be the first to admit coming out of PT school, I was way too arrogant for being a, a fresh DPT grad, right? I thought I, I knew a ton. I was reading all these pod or listening to all these podcasts, reading all these articles. I'm like, I got this. Uh, and actually, uh, my, the rehab coordinator at Miami, Jeff Ruiz, who I stay really good friends with now was, um, kind of noticed that. And, and in a, I'll put it nicely. He, he called me out and was like, Hey, are, are you ready to learn? And are you ready to be in sports and you ready to kind of take that path that I just kind of mentioned of like how much you just don't know. And I remember leaving that, we had probably a solid half hour, 45 minute meeting. I remember leaving that meeting pissed and I was like, man, he just called me out. Like he kind of tore me down, but it was exactly what I needed at the time. Right. Um, Cause I, I thought I knew it all and I definitely didn't. Um, and I remember coming back a few days later and me and him were in the weight room and going up to him being like, you know, you're right. I, I haven't been open-minded enough. I, I just graduated PT school. I'm in this high stress environment where things are moving very fast and it's not about me. Um, I'm, I'm ready to learn. And since then he was, he's been one of the best mentors, if not the best mentor I've had through this whole journey. Right. And I think that, that conversation and that kind of punch in the face really set me up to continue through residency, learning a, a lot more and then go into fellowship with a much more open mind especially going into fellowship for a sport that I don't know that well. I don't get me wrong. I like watching baseball on TV, um, but I never played baseball. I can't throw a ball. Trust me. They laughed at me for that. Um, but went into a fellowship being like, yeah, this is another world. I don't know that much about. I need to learn as much as I can. That doesn't mean sit back and you know, don't try to add to the conversation. That doesn't mean don't challenge the norms, but, accept more points of views, I guess is another way of saying it. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, really surrounding myself with people who have some skin in the game, people who, who work at high levels and people who see a lot, uh, a lot of weird things has been very helpful because it's easy to sit down in a clinic and be like, well, you know, the latest, uh, latest update in JLSPT said, do this. So this is what we're going to do for everybody. But I think especially in a sports environment where you're, have so many moving pieces and um and, and so many weird injuries and, and weird demands uh things change and and you and the more you could learn different situations the the better off you'll be right um and so 
you know, as you're as you've been in this role for a couple of months now at, at Colorado College, uh, how has your role changed from when it was like heavy peak track season and peak, you know, all sports are going on to out of season now as summer summer is hitting and there's no sports going on? Yeah, so uh, I kind of got thrust right into the middle of track season. So so that was interesting. Uh, when I came on at CC, we had uh, I had to quickly learn the the track team and, and how to manage them and then as well as take on my long-term rehabs um currently right now actually i'm on an academic schedule so i get summers off which is kind of nice um but i can kind of speak to off-season stuff more in um when i was at miami because i was there for their full full year so during the season again once once we're rolling we're rolling so your goal is to try to keep the athlete in practice in the weight room as as well as you can right now and as safely as you can. So during the season, a lot more practice time, uh, probably a lot more little weird injuries where they're just kind of, you know, this is sore, that's sore. And, and we might do more long-term or sorry, short-term treatments. So kind of going down the modality route where, you know, yeah, they don't do anything magic, but if an athlete comes up to me and goes, Hey, I just ran, uh, practice. I got to lift in a little bit. Um, this hurts a little. And when I dry needle or when I use a Mark Pro, just it usually makes it go away. You know, do your due diligence, due diligence wow, to make sure it's nothing that's going to get worse. But then if the athlete says, "Hey, I really like this," that's a softball. So I might take a few more softballs during the season than I do in the off season. Uh, in the off season, again, it's. Long-term rehabs are going to happen when they happen. So you don't have much control over when somebody goes into a surgical case or is out for a long period of time. But I think that off-season or rather non-competition season is a good time to maybe challenge some beliefs some athletes may have that may not be helping them out well, right? So if they have some kind of really extended warm-up that you think is a little bit extra and might be gassing them, or if they don't like doing certain lifts because they think they're inherently dangerous, which it probably isn't true. Um, in season might not be the greatest time to speak about that when, when things are rolling and the pressure's high, but off season is usually a good time to to attack maybe things like that or and, and open up some conversations. But uh, but yeah, I can't really speak in terms of off season yet at CC because I haven't been there. <laughs> gotcha. Um... So as you're now in, uh, you know, on academic schedule and you're kind of off right now, uh, what is your favorite memory been so far at Colorado College? Um, I think, well, a starting, uh, <laughs> just just showing up and being excited, and and you know, the residency and fellowship are long, hard, and grueling, right? So finally, seeing it pay off was have a big sigh of relief and now i have my own office and have my stuff hung up there whereas it's been sitting in a corner or closet collecting dust until this point so that was really exciting and then i think just going um going to san antonio with the track and field team we went to conference at, at trinity university and that was the first time where i had the time to sit and, and watch the team i work with perform um because most of our meets are away meets pretty much all of them uh i think we host a couple cross-country meets but i think that's one of the most rewarding things in pt or uh in sports pt is you know, these kids and um your co-workers and everyone kind of becomes your family because instead of seeing somebody for an hour once a week or twice a week like you do in a clinic i'm seeing 
everyone who I work with all day, every day. Um, and then so having the opportunity to go to conference with them and watch all of them compete and, and you know, some of them crush it and you're super happy for them or others are struggling a little and, and need your medical help and you're there for them again. I think that was my favorite memory because because it's just awesome seeing the people you're with every day uh, do the thing they love to do. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so last question for you, Marcin, uh, before I let you go, do you have any advice for any aspiring sports PTs, whether they're in undergrad and thinking about getting into PT school, um, they're currently in PT school, or if they're like early career professionals and, you know, want to get involved in sports PT more? Yeah. Um, a few, a few pieces of advice. I think number one is don't get too far ahead of yourself. Uh, it's easy to look at all the online courses and the podcasts and, and the articles, especially when you're in PT school or even before PT school uh, and try to get a head start on that. But make sure you do the basics right, because oftentimes when it comes down to like, hey, someone's been mismanaged or I need to uh, take an athlete who had a poor rehab done the last time um, or at another clinic or something like that. The problem with the rehab is usually hey, we didn't hammer home the basics early and well enough. And then now we're kind of backtracking because people got too fancy too quick. Um, and also when you're in PT school, you got to focus on one step at a time. It's, it's great to kind of look out into the future and say, I want to do residency and I want to be a great sports PT, but got to make sure you, you learn the rules before you break them would be a, a good piece of advice, I think. Um, surround yourself with people much better than you at what you do and better than you at things that you wish you did, right? So spending time with strength and conditioning professionals, spending time with the track coaches at Miami, uh, having a huge amount of time with you know, all the baseball guys, uh, with the Columbus Clippers, who are the Cleveland AAA team that I spent the season with, um, just soaking in every all the experience that they were able to give me was very valuable. Um, I think uh, don't be afraid to be wrong. Um, I kind of go through these lulls and phases where – even in my own practice, I, I kind of feel like, okay, things are rolling in the right direction. And then, and then something goes wrong and I start questioning everything and you have a little imposter syndrome. You're like double checking what, how you planned your rehab and, and what else not. And then all of a sudden everything starts going right again. And, and, and there was no problem in the first place. Right. But that's normal. You're going to doubt yourself. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. And things are also going to change, even if you're perfectly correct at, at one point in time, which is impossible. But if you were uh, within the next year, you might you're you might actually be wrong again. Right? So I've said this before, but if I took me a day after graduating PT school, me a day after finishing residency and me a day after finishing fellowship and put those three people in the room, they wouldn't agree on everything. They would I, they'd actually probably argue. Right. Because. That's how much things have changed over the course of what three years. So, being wrong is okay, but kind of trying to be less wrong, I guess, would be would be the the great goal. Um, and also, uh, last big one is to learn the job of those people who are going to be around you. So, in a clinic, you're kind of isolated. Usually, have a lot of PTs around you, maybe a couple PTAs. Uh, in the in the athletics department, suddenly you have ATs, strength coaches, position coaches, nutritionists psychologists and to some degree knowing what they do uh, I think is very valuable um, especially athletic trainers uh, because you're going to be working very closely with them if you are in, in the sports realm um, 
I know there's been a turf war going on a little bit. I've been, I think, very lucky to be mostly shielded from that because the organizations I've worked with know how to collaborate really well. And, and I do think the turf war is ridiculous um, because I think uh, together, PTs and ATs, when we work together, we, we really become a sum greater than our parts. And, and especially for an aspiring PT who maybe didn't have the fortune of having athletic trainers around when they were younger, like me, uh, athletic training is not as developed in Canada as it is in the United States. Like maybe shadowing early on uh, in high school or, you know, or sorry, not high school, <laughs> shadowing in high schools, or sh- if you could get in with a college athletic trainer or a college PTAT, and just seeing what they do on a daily basis is going to set you up for more success uh, when it actually comes time to work with them. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think those are all great pieces of advice that, you know, no matter what stage of your career or journey you're in, you can, you know, take in and to consideration and hopefully will help and uh, guide you and your path. Um, well, Marcin, I think that's all the questions I have. Um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Do you have anything that you'd like to plug? No, not at all. Um, Thanks for having me. I think this podcast is you're doing a great thing, giving people in uh, in the in the rehab or sports rehab world exposure. I, I love listening to to the people you bring on and and some of my colleagues who are on there too, who, who I love listening to. So, uh, no, I think you're doing awesome things here. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, and Marson, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Thank you to Marcin for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. He has a vast knowledge spanning from his time at University of Miami's residency program to Ohio State's Upper Extremity Athlete Fellowship Program, and now as the rehab coordinator at Colorado College. If you liked what you heard from today's guest and want to hear more from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.